Hi, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on a variety of topics important to you and your family. Today, we are going to catch up on issues related to COVID-19 with one of our favorite guests, Dr. Andy Pasternak, a local primary care physician with Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Pasternak. Uh, good to be here, and uh, happy to be back on one of my favorite podcasts. I know, and we're um, <laughs> let everyone know we're going to do a series with you. Today we're doing COVID, and then a couple weeks we'll probably do women's health, and then a couple weeks after that men's health. I think I think um, we'll probably be doing a variety of topics, and I don't think we'll run out of things to talk about, um, don't you think? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, let's start on the pandemic because it's still on everybody's minds. Fifteen months later, um, many believe that we are on the downhill slide. Dr. Pasternak, do you think that we are? I, I think that we are on the downhill slide. I think the question is, is uh, it's still the, the question in my mind still remains: How quickly can we get people vaccinated, and sort of how quickly can we extinguish? this pandemic. And so I think, you know, we're at a point now, everything's trending well, um, you know, we're getting people vaccinated. Um, but I think the real key to see how quickly we can get back to normal is going to be really how quickly we can get cases under control and, and really using vaccinations to do that. Well, let's talk about that a bit. I, I think I read that 50% of the U.S. Um, population has been vaccinated, and that would be, I believe, that they've had both vaccinations. Is that enough? And again, we've heard that word herd immunity, but in the last few weeks, um, I've read some articles that say that herd immunity will not be happening in the United States. Can you can you give us some insight on that as to what is enough people being vaccinated and what exactly is herd immunity? Well, the so the idea behind really the idea behind vaccinations in general, vaccinations really do two things. One is they protect you from getting a disease. Um, and so, you know, it, it, when we vaccinate people, you know, the idea is uh, you might get exposed to the virus, but your immune system will be able to fight it off quickly enough that you're not going to get sick. Or, or if you do get sick, you'll get very, very minimally sick. But the other thing, vac- the other thing vaccines really do is in protecting people, they also keep you from spreading that virus or that bacteria to other people. So um, as we've talked about in the past, viruses have to, they have to have a host. They can't replicate by themselves. They have to have a an animal or a plant that they get into to replicate and so with with this particular virus it replicates in humans so if we can vaccinate enough people that sort of takes away the you know the the virus doesn't have a a harbor to go into to replicate and and then spread to other people so that's really the idea behind herd immunity is that we're just trying to decrease the ability of that virus to spread from person to person because if i'm around someone if, let's say I had COVID, if I'm around someone who's vaccinated, I'm not going to be able to spread it to them who would then, not, they would not spread, you know, and then they're not going to spread it to three or four other people. So that's really the idea behind it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of debate of where do we need to get um, in terms of a percentage of the population to really extinguish this. And I think, you know, with the numbers that we're seeing now, we're already seeing 
the virus slow down. Um, we're seeing cases go down pretty much, uh, you know, we're still seeing a few hot spots here and there in the country, but, you know, cases are decreasing. Um, you know, I saw some stats the other day that we've had our lowest case counts um, really uh, in, in over a year, uh, which is exciting. Um, England, which has done a great job with vaccinating, just had a day where they had no deaths uh, due to COVID. And that was like for the mm-hmm. first time in, you know, 14 or 15 months because they've gotten yeah. so many people vaccinated. So, you know, I, I try to get people away from this idea of what specific number we need to hit. You know, I, I think it's more of a dimmer uh, than a switch. You know, uh, we're already making an impact, but I think, you know, if we can get more people vaccinated quicker, um, that's going to help to get this under control faster. Well, lately I've been hearing the word, not pandemic, but the word endemic, that the vaccine um, has, will make it so that the virus uh, is endemic instead of pandemic. Can you explain that to us? Well, again, the idea behind this is if we get enough people vaccinated, it's not going to spread as quickly. It won't spread as wide far, as 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 wide. So we may still see pockets uh, if there's populations of people that haven't gotten vaccinated or that vaccine uptake is low. Uh, you know, you may still see pockets of infections or little hot spots um, uh, flaring up from from place to place, but you're not going to see it rapidly spread from county to county and from state to state like you would see with an with an epidemic. So it ends up being a little more like, yeah, yeah. like the measles or the mumps. We get vaccinated yeah. for that, but occasionally you see a hot spot. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a perfect analogy. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, how challenging will it be to vaccinate the rest of the population? Another thing we're hearing a lot about is that uh, you know, we've we've sort of hit all whatever somebody would call the low-hanging fruit. And now it's being able to talk to people who are skeptical of the vaccine and say the right words to them to have them get vaccinated. Uh, this is going to be the hardest part. And I've been saying this for, you know, I, when when COVID first hit, we knew that some vaccines were going to be developed. We said this was going to be that we had three challenges. The first challenge w- was to develop a vaccine and come up with a vaccine. And, and the, the scientists and the researchers did that. And that was, you know, it was medical history. It was incredibly impressive. Um, that and for as hard as that was, that was almost the easiest. That was almost the easiest of the three steps. The second step was going to be to roll out the vaccine to as many people as quickly as possible. And we have, you know, we've had some little road bumps there and, um, you know, things weren't perfect. They weren't quite as smooth, but given what we could do, I think we actually did compared to other countries. I think the U S actually did a very good job rolling vaccine out. And then we knew the third part, which was going to be trying to convince people who are skeptical about the vaccine, why they should get vaccinated. And, and, um, having dealt with, uh, vaccines a lot in the past and talking to patients about vaccines, um, I kind of knew that this was going to be the hard part. So that's where we're at right now. Um, you know, we have a lot of people, uh, you know, there's there's obviously a, a, a set of people that just absolutely don't think that they need the vaccine. I think there's some other people that are still hesitant. They still want questions answered. They still want some reassurances on some things. And so that's you know, we're just trying to meet people where they are and, and try to give them the information they need. 
to try to help them, you know, make that decision to get vaccinated because ultimately that's going to help everybody. Well, let's talk a little bit from a global aspect on this. There's other countries that are having um, real trouble getting the vaccine and then being able to get it into the arms of the people in their countries. Why do you think that's happening that some of the countries like Africa are having such a hard time? Yeah, I mean, it's. uh, I was on a talk with. uh, I was on a talk with the company and and, uh, last week, and it was pretty interesting that we had people from really all over the world um, asking questions. And yeah, I mean, when you have, you see what's happening in India right now and the number of cases and the number of deaths, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people in India would literally, uh, uh, I mean, they would, I mean, they're, they would do whatever it takes to get vaccinated right now because the case, the cases are so horrible there. Um, and so it's, it is frustrating yeah, it, it's frustrating when we see people who are still vaccine hesitant and we kind of know that vaccine could be used somewhere else to help someone who really would want the vaccine. And that's just kind of a struggle right. we're going to have for the next yeah for the next few weeks to months. Well, and also, of course, we get our information from the news and reading um, newspaper articles. But one of the things that yesterday I saw in the news was that many of the states are not asking for the number of vaccines that they were, and therefore we have a real stockpile of them. Yeah, and I really hope, you know, I think the Biden administration um, is uh, aware of the fact that other countries are still having major issues. Um, You know, I saw something the other day that with the AstraZeneca vaccine, um, you know, the U.S. expects to have 60 million doses of that, and we probably will never uh, I, I think the FDA will probably approve that vaccine at some point, but we may never need it here in this country. Um, so, I mean, there is thoughts of let's get that vaccine off the shelves here and get it to countries where it could be used more. And I think you'll see the same with some of our other vaccines. Well, isn't it true that that's good for us? I mean, getting other countries vaccinated is only helpful to all of the other countries, including the United States, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, uh, sometimes people, you know, well, that's in another country. I don't have to worry about it. But look, especially Nevada, we're an international, I mean, we're in an international state. People come to Las Vegas and Reno from all over the world. And, you know, and and again, we've said this with, with vaccines in general, people are like, well, I don't have to worry about measles. You know, that doesn't exist. You know, we don't see cases that Nevada. I'm like, Yes, but you do see cases of measles in other countries, and we have people literally visiting us from every other country. So, you know, mm-hmm. a, I mean, there's we're going to start to see more travel. We want to bring people back into our, you know, into our state for our economy. So, it, yeah, from an from an economic standpoint, it makes if we can get other countries healthy and people traveling, that's going to help us. And then the other big part of it is, you know, there's a lot of talk of these variants. And, you know, right. and, and, and one of the big things that we tell people is the fewer cases we have, the less chance we're going to see bad variants. You know, if we can get if we can get cases under control, the chance that we see some sort of strange mutation or some sort of strange variant really cause problems is going to go way, way down. And so that's a that's another big reason why we you know, even in the United States, we have to worry about the health of people in, 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 in other parts of the world. Uh, because those variants are coming to the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a here's a question that I get asked, and 
to be real honest, Dr. Pasternak, I've wondered it myself. Um, if I'm vaccinated, why do I still have to wear a mask? I think a lot of people thought if they got vaccinated that they could, uh, some of these precautions, they could slowly not have to use them anymore. Um, and yet we're told that even if you're vaccinated, you need to wear a mask most of the time. Yeah, so I think that's going to be rapidly changing here. And, you know, for better or for worse, a lot of times public health officials tend to be conservative. I mean, they want to try to do whatever they can to help prevent disease and do as many things as they can to help prevent disease. So, you know, the CDC has recently come out and said, you know, if you're vaccinated, you're outside, um, you know, masks probably aren't going to be all that helpful for you. So some of these guidelines are changing. Um, You know, the Mm -hmm. CDC has also said, you know, if you're in a small setting with a few other people and you know everybody's vaccinated in there, um, you know, you can start to get together with people uh, indoors who have been vaccinated without wearing masks. So, you know, the big issue for me personally is still, I don't know if I'm in a place where I don't know who's vaccinated and who's not, um, I'm still going to wear my mask. It just gives me a, one more layer of protection. Um, and, you know, if I'm around someone who has COVID, even though I'm vaccinated, I'd rather have two layers of protection than just the vaccine. So that's right now why, you know, we're still recommending masks, especially for, uh, you know, for indoor situations. Got it. Let's move on to the discussion that came up last week um, that they were going to approve the vaccine for adolescents age 12 to 16. And of course, parents are asking, is this safe for my child? So that's going to be that's going to get reviewed by the FDA uh, likely this week. Uh, I think they're on the schedule for Wednesday. Um, I'm still uh, I was hopeful that I was going to be able to see a little bit more of the data uh, prior uh, to to our discussion today. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of debate about this. I'm already seeing a lot of debate about this. Um, within the medical community of what are the going to be the pros and cons to vaccinating kids in this age group. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right now, um, you know, I, I'm sort of right now, my first thought is I, I think the vaccines are probably going to be a good idea. But again, I kind of want to see the final data before I weigh mm-hmm. in on that. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is again, it's just going to give kids one more layer of protection. And we are seeing cases, you know, we're seeing right now, we're seeing more cases in the younger populations. Um, Now, do the kids who get COVID do pretty well with it? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the chance of a kid dying of COVID is really low, Um, you know, and, and so that's where some people are like, well, is it worth the vaccine if my kid's likely not going to die of COVID? Um, but there are other diseases we vaccinate kids for. I mean, we vaccinate kids for chickenpox. Very, very few kids die of chickenpox. Um, very, very few kids die of mumps. We vaccinate for that. So, you know, that's where we're going to get into this, really get into this risk-benefit ratio of, you know, what are we seeing with side effects from the vaccine? You know, what are the benefits? Um, and, yeah, like I said, I, I really kind of want to see what some of the data looks like in the next week or two. Right now, I'm sort of thinking that, um, you know, I'm sort of leaning, uh, you know, where I think vaccines are going to be a good 
good for kids this age. In part, we won't see the outbreaks in schools. Um, I also mm-hmm. worry. Yeah, I also worry a little bit about, um, you know, again, kids bringing this home to maybe people who have been vaccinated, but their immune systems aren't great. Um, and, you know, and spreading it to friends or family members. Right. Um, but again, I, I kind of want to see what some of the data looks like in the next week or two here. So tell me how how they do the dosage for a 12 to 16. Does a 12-year-old get the same dosage as a 16-year-old? You know, that's a great question on the Pfizer vaccine. And I don't know. I think it is the same dose, but I have to go back and double check on that. Yeah, I think it's, I think they are going to go with the same dosing just to keep it simple. But I'm not 100% sure, so I'm going to have to double check on that one. Okay. Um, so, so tell me why somebody who's had COVID, an adult or a child, still needs the vaccine. Because I've had people who have had COVID say, I'm getting the vaccine. And I've had other people say, well, I don't need the vaccine. Can you clear that up for us? So, again, great question. And it's one that we're seeing pretty commonly. And, and the reason is, is we know that if you have COVID, you do develop some antibodies. Uh, and you do have some protection. But really what some of the data is showing is that the people who get the vaccine who have had COVID sort of have another layer of protection that it, it kind of, in the same way that um, with the with the Pfizer and Moderna shots that we give people two doses, that getting the vaccine sort of really kind of pumps your immune system a little bit more, gets you a little bit more protection. Um, and there's also some data out there that the vaccine um, may give you some protection against some of the the new strains um, that if you just had COVID, uh, if you just had COVID, that you might not have you might not have as much protection against some of the strains. And we see this with other va- we see this with other vaccines. I mean, you know, there's been a sort of a discussion of you know is natural immunity better than vaccine immunity? But we have a couple of examples of other vaccines where the the immunity that you get from the vaccine is much better than the the immunity you get from a natural infection. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. the the thinking behind vaccinating people right Mm -hmm. now. Well, and one thing that I forgot to ask you, Dr. Patsnick, is about the Johnson & Johnson and the pause. Do you think that that also has played into people who were hesitant to get the vaccine, that the pause gave them another reason not to get vaccinated? Um, it, it did. I mean, I, you know, and again, there was a lot of debate of should we pause, you know, is that going to erode confidence, you know, public confidence in the vaccine? Um, you know, again, for myself, I think the pause was a good idea. It actually gave me more confidence in the vaccine because I was like, okay, we have, you know, instead of just plowing ahead, we've stopped, we've looked at things, we've done a really good job of, of you know, looking at the risks and benefits of that vaccine and deciding that we should move forward with it. Um, but obviously with, with some of the cases that came out, um, you know, I think there is more reluctance. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we're seeing more people maybe reluctant to use that vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I do think that that probably did erode some confidence in that vaccine. Um, I still feel like in the right, I still think it's a safe vaccine. I think the vaccine, um, you know, the benefits still outweigh the risk. We're understanding the risk more. Uh, we're understanding how to treat people if they have this particular clotting side effect from that vaccine better. Um, so, I, you know, I'm glad the FDA did bring that one back and that we're, getting, we're using it uh, to vaccinate people again. Well, the other thing that 
that has come up in the last week is that the um, Pfizer is asking the FDA for full approval for the COVID vaccine. What does full approval mean, and will that increase the availability of the vaccine? Uh, it won't increase the availability of the vaccine, but the idea behind a full approval of the vaccine is, you know, the FDA sat down and, and gave the vaccines this emergency use authorization. So, you know, they looked at the vaccine, they looked at the vaccine in both Moderna and Pfizer and, and Johnson and Johnson. You know, the trials had 30 to 40,000 people in, in the trials. Um, we had some idea of the safety data and we followed people for two months. With the full approval, they're going to be looking at uh, they're going to be looking at more people. We'll be looking at side effects, you know, beyond two months. We're, we're going to be looking at efficacy beyond um, a couple of months. So it gives the FDA sort of a a fuller picture of how the vaccines are working. Um, and we obviously know a lot more than we did back in December when these vaccines, you know, when the the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines got approved. So um, so that's the idea behind the FDA giving it a full approval. Um, you know, I do know a lot of people who are, are waiting for that. They want to feel like the FDA has fully approved it before they get the vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, knowing, seeing how these vaccines are working, I, I don't make a lot of guarantees, um, but I would be, uh, I, I would, I would be absolutely shocked to see if the FDA did not give the, both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines full approval. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. And so I, it's just going to be a matter of time of, you know, how long it's going to take the FDA to review all that data and give it a full approval. Um, but I do think that that's going to be coming. Uh, that's going to be coming down the pipe soon. So do you think we're moving towards these vaccine passports that we uh, will have something that we show such as to get into another country, an airline, or even to get into a concert? Uh, I think at the local level, it's going to be really interesting to see what different places do. And I think some of it's going to depend on on the setting. Are you indoors? Are you outdoors? How many people are there? You know, are, are masks going to be required? Are masks not going to be required? Um, so I, I think that there's some variables with that. I think at the international level, it's going to be a no-brainer. I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, it's either going to be one of two things. You're either going to have to, um, you know, if you want to travel internationally, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to do nasal swabs um, and likely still quarantine for a number of days. Or, you know, you can bring your, your proof of your vaccine, show that as you enter another country, and then they're going to let you go on vacation and, or do your business trip without any uh, without any testing and without any quarantine. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as someone who loves to travel and is dying to travel internationally, again, for <laughs> me, it's kind of a no brainer. Like, let me get vaccinated so I can start my vacation without having my nose swabbed mm-hmm. and, you know, having to spend mm-hmm. money, you know, spend a, a week in a, in a hotel somewhere locked in there. So. <laughs> well, it seems like also they're going to, the government's going to have to figure out a QR code because already people are forging those, uh, little cards that we get that say that we're vaccinated right yeah and that's and that's one of the that's going to be one of the biggest um one of the biggest things is how do we verify vaccinations you know the state you know each state has their vaccination registry and the states are very i can tell you personally in in talking with the state our the state of nevada does a great job of making sure that that data is used 
uh, appropriately, that it's secure, that it's not, um, you know, that, that it's not being sort of freely distributed out there. Um, so our IZ has been doing a great job of making sure that it's, it's being used appropriately. Um, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a little, it'll be interesting to see how, how the state registries then, you know, get that, which is, you know, that's really the most accurate gold standard data. How do they get that into some sort of format where things can be verified? Well, and um, and that brings up whether employers are going to make vaccines mandatory. I know that at Access to Healthcare, uh, we're having quite a few discussions on that. And I don't think anyone right now that I know of is making it mandatory, even the hospitals. Again, uh, and that goes back to your point about the full FDA approval. Um, mm-hmm. That to me is going to be, out of all the things that I wish our FDA could do quickly, um, I wish that they could get us a full, uh, you know, I, I wish they, they could get us a full FDA approval because once that happens, then we can add the COVID vaccine to the list of other vac- vaccines that we make mandatory. I mean, I'm, I, as someone in right. healthcare, you know, there are mandatory vaccines that, that we have to have. If you go mm-hmm. off to school at UNR, UNLV, there are mandatory vaccines that the schools require. And so mm-hmm. most people are waiting for this full approval. So hopefully, uh, I, I'm really hoping the FDA gets, uh, if I could give them one priority, that would be my number one priority is, you know, get that data, look at it thoroughly. Don't, you know, don't rush it, um, but get that done as quickly as possible. Because I think if we can get full approval, that's going to help to get another 10, 15% of the population vaccinated. So let's get people caught up on the restrictions, masks. Uh, We need to wear our masks still in Nevada when we go indoors into any business. Um, In restaurants, we need to wear the mask when we're not eating and drinking. So I went to my first indoor restaurant last week in uh, almost a year and a half, and only the servers had masks on, whether people were eating or drinking or not. But masks are still um, mandatory when you go into any business here in Nevada. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, obviously restaurants and bars are a little trickier because it's hard to eat and drink with a mask on. So it's, um, you know, that that's where I think they're having a little bit more of an issue there. Um, but again, we'll see what happens with some of those, you know, hopefully if we can start to get more people vaccinated, we can start to ease up on some of those restrictions. Yeah. Well, and I'm a little confused on the um, social distance. I hear three feet, six feet, no need to social distance if you've been vaccinated. And so I'm even confused on that. Yeah, it, again, I, I think, um, you know, they're they're sort of changing some of these guidelines. There's, you know, uh, some of the guidelines for schools are changing. Um, you know, I, I kind of personally sometimes like, let's just kind of think smart. Like, you know, let's not get too specific about the three or six feet. Again, for me personally, I'm vaccinated. If I'm going inside somewhere, um, I'm going to be wearing my mask. And I'm going to be trying Mm -hmm. to stay away from people a little bit. And I'm probably going to use six (laughs) feet as opposed to three. Um, You know, I do think some of that, uh, you know, obviously the, um, uh, you know, and then some of that, you know, I think the other, the other thing people have to keep in mind is that a lot of these 
recommendations are going to change depending on what the prevalence of COVID is in the community. You know, if we have one or two cases per 100,000, then we are going to be able to, you know, essentially we're playing a, a, a stats game where we're playing risk. So if the, if the prevalence of the, of COVID is low in a community, then the likelihood of you getting exposed to it is lower. We can then, you know, start to open things up a little bit more. If the prevalence is, you know, I mean, if we see, um, you know, Michigan right now is still up around 35 cases per 100,000 and I'm headed back to Michigan in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I'm going to be more cautious about what I'm going to do Michigan as opposed to Nevada, just because the likelihood of me getting exposed is, is higher there. So I think that's the other thing that people need to realize is some of these recommendations, some of these changes are going to kind of depend on what's happening in, in your individual community. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads me to my last question, Dr. Pasternak vaccines uh, throughout our entire conversation it's very clear that getting people vaccinated is the most important thing that we can do so help me out on what we say to somebody who is saying that they are worried about getting vaccinated families friends who say i don't think i'm going to get vaccinated what is the best way for us to talk with them about the reasons to get vaccinated. We certainly don't want to criticize them for their feelings or anything, but we would like to have a conversation and maybe help them to see that getting vaccinated is vitally important. Yeah, I I think in terms of worrying what I'm going to say to them, my first thing I try to do is ask questions. You know, what have you heard about the vaccines? What are your concerns? Um, You know, why don't you want to get vaccinated? you know, what have you heard um, about, you know, what what concerns people have? Because I think unless we listen to people's concerns, a lot of times we're going to not give them the right messages. Um, you know, there is going to be a segment of people. I mean, I'm seeing patients every day. And I had a gentleman today who um, was older, um, has some medical issues and just doesn't want to get vaccinated. And his rationale mm-hmm. is, you know, he doesn't uh, he doesn't go out. He doesn't socialize. He's at home by himself for the most part. Um, and, you know, he, he, you know, goes into a store once a week and he just doesn't feel that his risk of getting COVID is very high. And and again, he had some concerns about the, the, the vaccines that we tried to dissuade him about. So it's it's we're not going to convince uh, we're not going to convince everybody. Uh, I mean, there's still going to be people. Um, I mean, we see this in medicine with other things. I mean, people come in and we're like, we know this medication will benefit you. And they say, I don't want to take it. And Mm -hmm. we have a discussion. Um, So, you know, so to me, the first thing is to listen, um, you know, answer concerns, give them accurate information and hope that maybe if they don't change their mind today, that that at least kind of plants a seed. And, you know, maybe as they know more about the vaccines, maybe as they see, uh, more data coming out that they have a little bit more confidence in the vaccines and then decide to get vaccinated. Yeah, that's good words. Instead of um, asking them questions, I think that's um, that's very valuable because everybody has a reason for right. getting the vaccine, not getting the vaccine, and it's worth right. listening to. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Patrick, for, um, for being on our podcast today. I know we're going to do another one in a couple of weeks on women's health. We've been 
talking with Dr. Andy Pasternak. He's a local primary care physician with Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine, a frequent guest on our podcast. Thank you, Dr. Pasternak, for being a guest on our show today and for giving us this valuable information. Again, great being here. We're looking, I'm looking forward to the next couple conversations. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and please, please consider getting the vaccine. 